Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today we're talking to Pete Doré, a fantastic independent comic book artist. And I do need to give you one bit of a heads up. This episode was recorded in March of 2020. And if you don't remember, that is when we had to deal with the coronavirus self-quarantine which means that a lot of people are using their bandwidth a little more than normal, and I think it might have affected our sound quality. The episode is perfectly understandable, but if it sounds a little different, that would be why. Enough of that. Let's get started. On mic today, we have Pete Dore. How are you doing this fine evening? I'm really good. It's really good to talk to you, Aaron. I'm, uh, like a lot of us, I'm self-isolating at the moment, so I'm really looking forward to just talking comics. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had a chance to get out to the local comic shop and or go to a comic convention, if nothing else. Yeah. And it's time to, to... So, I met you when you were on Twitter talking about a project you had coming up. You were a friend of a friend of a friend. Yeah. And I, I see this guy who is about to do a, a run of comics with Jack Kirby and Stan Lee as action heroes. I'm like... I have to get my hands on this. <laughs> yeah, you, so, went, you went crazy, didn't you? I, I was, yeah, it was a fantastic idea. And it, it when I read it, you knocked it out of the park. I, I loved the little, I, I won't give any spoilers out because I strongly encourage people to pick it up for themselves, but it was a great project. Thanks, man. Thank you. So uh, how did you come up with this great idea? It was it was kind of a splurge, really. I mean, I did it maybe 10 years ago. Okay. Uh, I've been kind of in and out of comics and, and cartooning for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can go into my uh, my other friend later on um, who does comics full time. But about 10 years ago, I, I just splurged. I just thought, why has no one ever done this? Mm-hmm. Why has no one ever done a funny comedy book about Stan and Jack? That's Stanley and Jack Kirby. Uh, and I, I literally spewed out three issues in, in, in a couple of months, printed it up on Lulu, which, of course, cost me a fortune. Because uh, back then, I didn't know what you could do, where you could go, and I gave it to my friends and kind of forgot about it. Um, and then recently, uh, I stopped drawing for quite a while because life kind of got in the way. Uh, and yeah, and my friends were kind of like, why don't you start drawing again? Start drawing again. We will just nag you until you start drawing again. So I said, okay, yeah, let's print it up. So I've redrawn some of it. I've re-lettered all of it, and I've rewritten some of it. Um, but, yeah, the short answer is, why has no one ever done this? I'd, I want to read this, so I'd better do it. <laughs> well, the cool thing is I know I don't think there's one for Jack Kirby, but there is a Stan Lee action figure out there. Yeah. So you already have an unofficial action figure line for your comic. Yeah, and in fact, uh, Comic Book Couples Counseling, who also follow me on Twitter, they sent me a picture because they bought it, and they put it up on their shelf next to a bust, two busts of Stan and Jack. Nice. Because like, loads of people have been sending me photos of themselves with it, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. And that was the one. That was the one for me. That was brilliant. Nice. Well, I I might be about to endanger our very new friendship here by telling you that I love Jack Kirby's work, but I'm most fond of what's widely considered to be the ass end of his career. Okay. So um, I, I love the Superpower series, and I love Jimmy Olsen comics like you wouldn't believe. The fourth world Jimmy Olsen. Yes. Yes, it's fantastic. Okay, it's, so, so you're a fan. Okay. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I do. I've struggled with Superpowers, but... To me, if it's Kirby, even if it's end of career Kirby, and let's not forget, mm-hmm. he had a stroke at that point, didn't he? True, so, yeah. Something like that. I, I'm not sure the details, but yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, even at that point, you go, it's Kirby, so it's automatically interesting. Mm-hmm. But Jim Olsen is is unbelievable. Um, I mean, even, sorry, go on. No, no, go right ahead. I mean, you're, you're the guest. I won't. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, when I was a kid, I was just blown away by that stuff. Every issue, I was like, wow, wow, wow. As an adult and, and as somebody who's trying to create my own stuff, I literally sit there in amazement and go, how did you do that? Where did that come from? But, uh-huh. you know, he, he was a genius. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it came from. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 
I love the Jimmy Olsen comics. I, if I could pick one series that I want to have a complete run of, it's going to be that one. Yeah. Um, it, it's somewhat attainable, even if it's a couple issues are kind of pricey, but not too much in the grand scheme of things. I picked up one a couple years ago, just a good looking comic. I thought, hey, I want to bring that home. And I got home and I realized this is the first appearance of Darkseid in a Jimmy Olsen right. comic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I love Kirby. And, and but so what are your favorite Kirby comics? Let's go there. The whole of 70s DC. OK. Uh, I I grew up um, over here, as as I, as I said in, uh, pre, in when I was talking to Shah on his podcast. Um, we had the Mighty World of Marvel over here, which was a weekly reprint comic, mm-hmm. which reprinted um, the FF, the Hulk, and Spidey from the very beginning. So we were buying that stuff weekly, but that happened at exactly the same time that the Fourth World was just coming to an end. And he was starring Commandian Omac. And as much as I loved the uh, the Silver Age Marvel stuff, although we got it in the Bronze Age, that DC stuff is, again, you run out of superlatives, don't you? Because it's so, it's just incredible. The, the creativity. And even one issue of Jimmy Olsen, as I've said before, people now would take 20 issues to do what Jack did in one issue. Yes. So many ideas. Um on every page, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I am literally in awe of the guy. And when making this comic, I mean, there were a lot of nods to his style, his influence, um, in the obvious ways. Of, you know, I mean, when you're bringing in other characters and you're bringing, but just the, the little artistic touches here that it's like, that's something Jack would have done. That's, that's yeah. a comment Stan would have made. I don't want to focus yeah. just on Jack because. I mean, you hit all of them pretty well. Thanks, yeah, and deliberately so. And because it's fun, you know, again, you know, I don't think it's spoiling anything, but there's the page where um, there's all four of them. There's Gil Kane, Wally Wood, Jack and Stan, and each of them is drawn in their style, except Stan can't draw, obviously. Um, and that was the most fun page to do because I was like, great, I get to draw Gil as a Gil Kane character, and I get to draw Wally. And I get to draw Jack as the thing. And that was so much fun. So, you know, I'm having twice as much fun as everybody else doing it, basically. And that would be, I mean, if you could animate this, how, oh. what kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I brought that up on purpose. What, what goes through your mind when you start to think of that? Uh, what, oh, blimey. Um, I'd want to do Jack's voice, I guess. I'd <laughs> okay. want to do because my, my kind of idea was like, obviously, you know, as you know, I thought, okay, Stan is going to talk like Stan. He's going to be full of pulse-pounding pronouncements, Bill Grimm. Um, Jack, I figure, talks like Ben Grimm with a bit of Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. So he's got kind of, and, and people used to say that he kind of looked like Jimmy Cagney, didn't they? Um, so he's, I, I see, apart from the fact we all know what his voice sounded like, my Jack would be gravelly and yeah 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 fuck off stan you know that stuff so um <laughs> that's a that's an amazing question i hadn't thought about it but that's my first thought i'd want to do jack's voice nice speaking of voices your audio is breaking up just a little bit so oh. it, um it's, it's not a, a closest issue it's um i think maybe we just have a bad connection okay. which, given all the bandwidth we're all using at home right now that's not super surprising Okay, well, if you want me to go over anything again, obviously, that's fine. I'll let you know, but just want to give you an FYI. Okay, by the way, I love your Batman outfit. Well, thank you, thank you. It's just trying to uh, keep cozy in this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, go on, carry on. No, 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 go, go ahead. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do some little half-hour shorts, anybody out there, of Stan and Jack, because... You know, once again, once I realized I could do them and once I realized I could make it work, because mm-hmm. I didn't know if it would work. And then I thought, well, I'm going to put Gil in there and I'm going to put Wally in there. And I don't know if I said to you, but in the second issue, literally everybody else shows up. Storanko shows up. Vaughn Bodie shows up. And Vaughn Bodie is such fun to draw and such fun to write because um, I put him off against Steve Ditko because they're basically complete opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
yeah, I, yeah, let's animate it. Let's do a different one each week. And this week it's Vaughan and Steve antagonising each other. And next week it's Duranko doing whatever he's doing. You know, that'd be great. I ordered the first issue. I haven't gotten to the other two yet. I do plan to for sure. Well, I haven't printed them yet. I'm, I'm oh. about. Yeah, yeah. I've because I I printed them. Got to give Rich a plug. I I went to Rich at Comic Printing UK over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I must remember to say something about when the print came through. But um, I've sold about half the print run. When I get to about three quarters, then I'll print the second issue. Because I think, you know, luckily, most people like yourself have gone, yeah, when, great, when's the second issue? So I really do want to get it out there. But I want to sell just enough to make it worth my while, obviously. Gotcha. Um, but the interesting thing I was going to say, and I think this is, one of those weird cosmic coincidences that as comic fans, we all love. Um, When Rich printed it and it came through the mail to me, it turned up on the anniversary of Jack's death on that day. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, maybe it's me being slightly over the top, but it was almost like Jack was going, go for it, kid. Mm -hmm. Which is exactly what he'd say. I I think so. I think he'd love it. I think they both would. I mean, uh, Jack never, ever took, uh, he never hesitated to put himself in the spotlight, which is a part of the story that you wrote there. Yeah. Uh, did you ever get a chance to meet him or any of the others in person? No, unfortunately not. I mean, we, again, weirdly, when we were kids, we didn't know we could do that. In the UK, uh-huh. we, were, we lived in a tiny little town in Suffolk, about 30 miles from Cambridge. We had no idea you could go to conventions and meet people. <laughs> we had no clue. I mean, in the last couple of years, I uh, last year I was at Portsmouth and I met Roy Thomas and Steve Englehart, who were both lovely, of course. And then the year before that, I was thrilled to be allowed to interview Don McGregor. Mm-hmm. Except you don't interview Don McGregor. You just kind of sit there and he goes. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he needs no excuse to tell his story. His stories. Sorry, the job had nearly went there. Yeah, so those are the only ones I've really met, uh, but they were all lovely and everything you wanted them to be, and all of that. Okay, I, did I say that Jack never hesitated to put himself in the stand? Like, because I would have meant Stanley. I don't know I why. Knew, my, I know my, what you. My brain just. Anyway, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I I never got a chance to really talk to him, but I did get to see Stan in person once or twice in extremely brief passing, and yeah. he was he was a character for sure. Yeah, he was staying. We all we all loved him, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, I think I put on my my other blog, you know, when when he passed, you know, I put up there something to the effect of, listen, let's let's stop quarrelling about who did what and who created what. Dan stole credit, and I know I make a joke about it in the comic, but I was always going to make that joke. Yeah. Uh, let's stop doing that and just celebrate these guys who were so important to us and still are so important to us. You know, they, they were the, the music of my childhood, really. Yeah, when, when it's that kind of joke that you have to make, it's, it's known in some circles as the state park joke. Yeah. yeah. You go to a state park, you, you go see the Statue of Liberty, you're going to take a picture of the statue. There's a thousand pictures out there taken every minute. you got to take your own picture. you got to make that joke yourself. And then you yeah. move on. You have a whole other story to tell. Yeah, like the Vince Coletta joke, you know. Mm-hmm. If... if and the Vince Coletta joke is going to be a running joke because there's so much material you can do there. But um, people would have quite rightly said, why didn't you make a Vince Coletta joke? Why didn't you do a joke about Stan Steele and the credit? Because they're there to be done if you're going to be doing this kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like saying you, you made the joke, you moved on. That's The whole story is amazing. Um, so do you have any other stories that you're looking to get you to tell? Because I've got something that I could throw at you for sure. In terms of the guys, in terms of Stan and Jack, it, it's any stories that you want to tell. Because this uh, is a well, concept you could roll with. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can talk you through the next six issues if you want, Aaron. Because <laughs> we got time. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, basically, like I said, I've got three and a half issues done, which I did way back, mm-hmm. and I've kind of rejigged and relaid. So, as you know, the first—it's not giving anything away. I'll just move because it's, it's on its side. 
Um, the first three issues, Stan and Jack and Gil and uh, Wally and Steve are kidnapped by these mysterious, this mysterious figure. Next issue, as I say, pretty much everybody else shows up. Uh, they've all been kidnapped as well, so they have to find out what's going on. That takes three issues. The fourth issue, Jack gets stuck in the consciousness of Steve Gerber. So we have this fun thing where, you know, uh, uh, I've got a line where uh, they're in Steve's apartment and Jack says, you've got no stogies, you've got no, you've got no cigars, we need to go out and get some cigars. Uh, and of course, Steve Gerber, the ultimate paranoid, is saying, no, no, I can't, I can't go outside, I can't go outside. And Jack says, like, uh, get, a, get a grip, kid, get a grip. What, what kind of comic book writer are you anyway? Steve, of course, says the neurotic kind. What other kind is there? <laughs> so that, that, takes, that takes issue four. Uh, issue five will be Barry Smith and John Buscema as barbarians, both fighting each other. So everybody gets stuck in the Hyborian age. And then issue six, oh, that might even last two issues, to be honest. <laughs> And then I've kind of gone down the line and gone, who haven't I done, you know? So, and then issue six will be a horror issue with Bernie Wrightson, which will be called Giant Size Stan Thing. And, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, that's, uh, and that's kind of as far as I've got, other than a few vague ideas. I mean, I want to do, now that, I'm, now that I'm doing this, I want to do every single Silver and Bronze Age creator who means something. Sure. Or everybody else. So you tell me, who who, do, who have I missed out? Who should I? Well, do? see, no, and no, um, I couldn't even start to think of who belongs in the pantheon of the silver and bronze age. But being an '80s '90s kid, I immediately say, okay, what if you were to take the same project and just move it up a couple decades, uh, getting off of Mount Rushmore, and maybe taking some of the like uh, yeah. I see. Uh, Bruce Tim, I would like to see a Bruce Tim as Bruce Tim. I would like yeah. to see a Carl Kessel. I mean, I, I could definitely see those guys just. I could do that. I could just move it along. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, again, God love him because he he, he plugged the book. But Rob uh, Leifeld, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Is it Leifeld or Leifeld? I thought it was Leifeld, but I could be wrong. Right. Sorry, right. You know, God love him. He's he's retweeted pretty much every tweet I've put up there about Stan and Jack. You haven't bought a copy, Rob, but three <laughs> So I want to do him. But again, the obvious gag to do with Rob is that he's got no feet because he can because you know because everybody says that. So You're I figure his. Yeah, no, I like his stuff. I really do, honestly. I do. No, 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 I, I but feet are hard to draw. He's probably well, better than I am. No, they are. They are, as our hands. Um, but yeah, I figure he'll carry like a boulder around with him and he'll be in the background and Stan and Jack will be running off and kind of going, come on, let's do this. And Rob will be going, I, I need to carry my boulder in front of my feet. Or he'll be standing behind furniture all the time. Now, see, and again, Rob is a giant and he carries everybody else in his pockets. That's why he has so many pockets. Good one too, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. And, that, and again, these are gags you've got. To, if you're going to do Rob, you've got to do those gags, don't you? Mm -hmm. You have to do them. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if enough people buy it, you know, by the time I get to the sixth issue, if this horrible thing we're dealing with ends, which it will, you know, by six, by seven or eight or nine or ten, yeah, let's do the eighties and nineties, guys. Why not? Let's do them. They have their fans too. They might not be the the legends upon legends, the masters of the universe. That Stan and Jack were, but they're they have their fans that would love to see that little fan service. I'm their fans, you know. Yeah. I, like, I like Rob's stuff, I, you know, and God bless him, he's pumped he's pumped my stuff out there. So yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Anybody, absolutely and, anyone. And see, nothing you're talking about is anything but respectful and loving of the creators' works. Completely, completely. I mean, um, I it, it's a love letter. As you know, it's mm -hmm. it's a, and yes, yes, I take jabs at them, but they're jabs that everybody's going to get and everybody's going to love. Um, but it is, you know, I wouldn't spend this amount of time doing something about people I, I hate, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. And so, if, if you didn't like the work, if you thought it was garbage, and you, 
it would be way too easy to just say this is crap, this is crap, and make jokes about how crap it is, and yeah. and that's not going to be a fun story for me to read. This no. is a fun story for me because you you're doing it out of love. Exactly, exactly. And I'm not that sort of person, you know. As as again, as I said to to other people, mm-hmm. I I never ever slag off other artists or writers or pros or anybody, even if I don't like their work, mm-hmm. because. I know how tough a job it is. I'm not doing it full time, uh-huh. uh, you know. Because what I, what I was going to say, and, and, I, and I should mention it because he'll get annoyed if I don't. You know, one of uh, one of my oldest friends in the world is Sean Phillips, who you know, and you know he works his ass off. You know, he's he doesn't need to self isolate this week. He's he's already been self isolated. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he calls his studio the cupboard. <laughs> yeah daylight for months so i know how tough a job it is so i would never say a bad thing about any other artist or writer no and and like i was saying about his feet i can't draw feet so it's dumb for me to you know criticize him first like oh yes i can't do it he's better than i am yeah well i think that's what you see on twitter though i mean you don't see it in our little corner of twitter with yourself char uh and various other people who we talk to you don't see it there because we're all very respectful. But you do see it sometimes where people are like, oh, he can't draw his shit, he can't write. Well, you try doing it then. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it ain't easy. That's the point I brought up a lot of times when people, you know, they get that first punch of criticism and they're like, man, this person really doesn't like what I do and that all they do is, is troll me. I'm like, people who do that, I, I have said, Many times, they've not accomplished anything themselves. Absolutely. Do you know how many times I've been wrong on that? Never. Never. <laughs> never. I'm waiting never. on the first. Yeah, never. Never. Because even if you produce something and it's not very good mm-hmm. or it's not very well drawn, as far as I'm concerned, if you had the intention and you took the time and effort to do it, you deserve a round of applause anyway. Yeah. It's good. That's a bonus. And especially at the way the world is now, the tools to do it are cheap. The education yeah. is free. You just have yeah. to put in the time and effort. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, I, you know, I, like everybody, you know, I look at my stuff and wish I was a better inca, or I wish I could draw feet, or <laughs> I wish I could do hands better. Uh, but I'm training myself to do that better. That's the job, isn't it? Yes. And if you're not to do that. And you just want to slag somebody else off. Well, I'm not interested in you. Yeah. I mean, you take, you know, one of Kirby's really early comics, and then one of the things he did very late in his career, and you compare them. You can see his progress. You can see his growth. Yeah. Jack Kirby grew. You're asking, too. Yeah, yeah. But the amazing thing, one of the many amazing things about Jack, is, is I think somebody said on that Kirby documentary, you, you if you look at his 40s stuff, his 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s it kind of looks like a different artist he didn't just grow once he grew six or seven times mm-hmm. and he was better each time um, but then as i say he was a genius and i do truly believe that he was one of the few geniuses we've had on this planet yeah and the genius who decided to spend his time making comic books because that art form needed a genius yeah. needed many. he was one of them yeah yeah and I think I think we've uh, you know we've moved on and we got the movies and, and people are reading comics. But I think sadly when he died, we did lose something. We lost something quite huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a shame people don't know about him. But you know I make a point of telling people about him as much as I can. Sure. I. It's it's weird right now because we have so many movies and TV shows that are they're they're costing millions. They're making billions mm-hmm. and while i love that it's like we've we've lost an appreciation for those people and we're, we're getting this almost synthetic feel in the cinematic universe that doesn't feel like the the victory it should be does that make any sense yeah it does i can i can see that um because obviously these films are made by a whole bunch of people and the thing that you and I and all the rest of us, I think, love about love about comics is the fact you've got one or two people telling you a story mm-hmm. uh, and that's their vision. Yes. And I do, you know, people overuse the word vision 
these days but that that is literally what you're getting there you know as i say i i'm you're you're, you're an 80s and 90s boy i'm a, i'm a late 60s early 70s boy mm-hmm. um so if i read mcgregor or gerber or stan or roy i don't mistake that for anybody else i know who i'm reading and i know that it's coming particularly with people like mcgregor from the absolute heart and from their soul and it means something to them um and that's why they mean so much to me exactly i, I think that that's the key right there is that it's it becomes one person or a small group of people who work together who think together who just said let's make this a really cool story as opposed to a corporation who has partnerships they have to appease and i understand mm-hmm. the place for that I don't want to say that doesn't belong in the world because it totally does. But I mean, just to be able to have, you know, three people say you can write, you can ink and we, and they put out the stories that inspired all this. Yeah. Yeah. And even, even when you see, you know, you can see Jack and you can see all the other guys in movies where you don't expect them to see. Uh, I mean, I was saying the other day, like the airplane movies, what are the airplane movies other than live action Mad magazine? Yeah. But they never get that credit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all Harvey Kurtzman or, or Jack Davis, those movies. Mm-hmm. So no, it is very sad that they don't get the credit apart from people like us. Um, and I do get, you know, I know what you're saying about the movies, but I still do get quite excited. Oh, me because, too. Because, I'm like, you know, I'm like, uh, I, I remember when I was a kid. And, and if people said to me, there's a bunch of Avengers movies. There's a Cap movie. There's a there's a Black Panther movie. Even though I didn't like it that much, um, and they're really good. They're not, you know, they're not um, the old Hulk TV show, which was good for its time, but that was all we had, you know. So, and also, you get my my friends who don't read comics who are totally into the movies, and I wish they did read comics, but they are totally into the movies. And so I don't have to explain who Cap is anymore, which is wonderful. Because mm-hmm. you know, I get so tired, as you probably do, of having that conversation. Yeah. I, and, like, I do enjoy being able to do something like watch The Dark Knight and just say, yeah, this is why I like this character. This is why I like yeah. these stories. Yeah. I get tired of, say, a Batman versus Superman when they say, why was that so bad? It's like, yeah, but the stories it was based on were great. Yeah. They, they, and, and it's hard to have that conversation when it's like, yeah, but just because this one iteration of it didn't click doesn't mean that the stories themselves weren't fantastic. I mean, there was a reason yeah. they made it into a movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there probably will never be another Jonah Hex movie, yeah. which is terrible because Jonah Hex is great, mm-hmm. but it just didn't work, did it? You know, even, you know, the Swamp Thing TV show started well, but I don't, I don't think it ended well. So there probably will nev- never be another Swamp Thing. How did you feel about the uh, Batman the Animated Series episode with Jonah Hex? I don't think I've seen it. Eh? I've, seen, I've seen, it was either a Brave and the Bold or a Justice League where Mongol, Jonah was in the future somewhere with Mongol. But I, I didn't see that. No? <laughs> Well, then we both need to watch them. Yeah. Um, no, but I don't know. If, I haven't seen it. So what happens? Is it Batman goes uh, back into Essentially, it's... Uh, uh, he's talking with Ra's al Ghul, um, and basically uh, the point Ra's al Ghul is making is not... You're not the first superhero I've had to fight in my lifetime. And he tells a story about this guy back in the Old West. Right. And it was oh, basically an excuse to not have a Batman in a Batman episode. I definitely have to watch that because I love John Hex. The uh, the episode name is escaping me. I will get it to you later on, and I'll put it in the show notes of this. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, I definitely need to watch that. But like I say, you know, um, some of them worked, some of them didn't, and the ones that didn't, we're probably not going to get another chance at them. Yeah. So thank God Cat worked. Mm-hmm. Thank God Thor worked because who'd have predicted that? The Thor movie in particular could have been terrible. It really could. There were um, so many of those movies that when they were announced, people were like, get out of here. It's, it's, <laughs> and, and that's a response we don't have anymore. If somebody's like, well, we're going to do a movie based on uh, Ant-Man. It's like, okay, that's cool. We can do that. 
10 years ago, people would have snar- sneered at you. 20 years ago, they would have spit in your face. Yeah, yeah. Although I've got to be honest, when Ant-Man was announced, I did go, really? There are others. What are you going to do next, Brother Voodoo? <laughs> but, it, but it did work. Mm-hmm. It did work. And it's not great, but, you know, Ant-Man's not a great character, I don't think. I'm waiting for the Matter in Your Lab movie. Oh. <laughs> I'd say, the, if there was a proper Legion movie that was based on Dave Cockrum's run, that'd be it for me. That would be wonderful. I mean, they turned up on the Supergirl TV show, and the guy who plays Brainy is brilliant. He's really funny. Um, but they did, I think they did Monel and Saturn Girl, and they were Monel and Saturn Girl. But, but Brainy's brilliant. Get mm-hmm. him, put him in a movie with the Legion, and then it might work. Mm-hmm. That was one case where. I think DC definitely made a misstep as they tried too hard to separate one iteration of a character from another. They they made so many good movies and then so many others. And they're like, well, we have to reboot it because this character doesn't belong with that iteration. And the fans are like, no, we don't need you to do that. That's okay. Just, just make a good movie. That's all we care about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm with Bob Haney. I'm, I'm not a continuity freak at all. If you, you tell a good story, that's, literally all I'm interested in. I don't care if it's continuity. I really don't. Well, there have been so many continuities over the decades. And I, yeah. I mean, Batman has been rebooted at least two major times in my lifetime alone, much less yeah. going back 50 years before that. Yeah, and, and the Legion, what is it, four or five times now? Mm-hmm. Lost yep. <laughs> but I just, I just kind of go, okay, that's a Legion, but it's not the Legion. Well right. done. My legion's back with Dave Cockrum. That's mm-hmm. and I, I found it very easy to just kind of pick a point and say this is the comic world I concern myself with. Everything yeah. after that, or everything, I'm just not going to worry about it. I don't. I don't have that kind of free time. No, me neither. Me neither. And and again, as I said before, I do buy modern stuff. I do. I do buy Daredevil. Uh, I do buy. I can never pronounce it. Usagi Yajimbo. Is that Usagi Yajimbo? That's how I say it. Yeah, and I think that guy is one of the greatest cartoonists ever, ever. Um, you know, and Strangers in Paradise I read. There's there's all kinds of modern stuff I read, but particularly when you're talking about the Marvel and DC stuff, mm-hmm. I look at it, and as good as Daredevil is at the moment, and it's very good, uh, it's not my Daredevil. I just go, yeah, it's kind of somebody who looks a bit like Matt. Mm-hmm. He's doing <laughs> And as, as I've said elsewhere, it, it, that's not that's not Chip's fault. That's my fault because I, I know where I want to be with Daredevil. Back with Frank Miller and, and a little bit earlier. I have a theory, and I I don't think I've ever said it out loud, so you're going to be the first person to hear it. <laughs> I don't think it was Doomsday that killed Superman. I think it was the cell phone. Because okay. if, if you look at most of the early Superman stories, and, and like especially in the George Reeves TV show or even the, the Christopher Reeve movies, the story is based on one person in one location having information the other person in another location means. And if yeah. they could just get that from point A to point B, there's no need for Superman. But that's most movies, isn't it? That's most movies yeah. before cell phones. Uh, I mean, I remember watching last year sometime, I was, I was off sick, off work sick, and I was watching Kojak in the afternoon, which I hadn't seen in decades. And the whole plot was about the fact he couldn't make a phone call. He was just running around New York. Is your phone working? No. And off he went somewhere else. You know, that would be a five-minute episode now, wouldn't it? That's become the part of the reason I don't read much of the modern Superman is that I I don't see the relevance of Clark Kent as a reporter in the era of the, the Internet. It's, it's yeah. that, The Daily Planet is not what it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Although, interestingly enough, I literally this afternoon was reading, I'll show you because it's in front of me, uh, okay. I was reading a copy of, old copy of Comics Feature, mm-hmm. which an interview with Carrie Bates in it about, at best, this time he was doing Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was saying about when Clark was working for TV, I forget what the channel was called. Yes. Right. And he was saying, well, we did that because kids don't know what newspaper reporters are. Um, 
And so it must be very difficult for the writers now to figure out a way to make Clark work. Uh, although they did say there was that thing on Twitter where somebody said, how do you make Superman relevant? And we all went, he couldn't be more relevant. He's a refugee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Superman is certainly relevant. And, and that's, that goes without saying. It's Clark I struggle with. Yeah, yeah. But I think everybody struggled with Clark slightly, haven't they? I mean, as yeah. again, Harry Bates says in that interview, in his opinion, Clark is a completely different personality. He's not just a disguise that Superman wears. I, I kind of go along with that. It, under a good writer. But obviously, if you've been around since the 30s, there's a lot of bad stories, isn't there? There's a lot of, there's a lot of takes that really didn't work. But then I think if you take Batman, I, I am sort of of the opinion that Bruce Wayne is a disguise that Batman wears. Okay. I think the real personality. Clark and Superman, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm undecided. There was a, uh, a panel floating around the internet not a couple of years back, I guess. I'm, I don't know what comic it's from. If somebody could let me know, I would appreciate it. But it was from the scene where the Justice League members first confide their secret identities to each other. And to do this, Wonder Woman puts out her rope and and they all hold it so they know they're speaking the truth. And one says Hal Jordan, the other says Clark Kent, the next says Diana Prince, and Batman says Batman. (laughs) There you go. I I wasn't even aware of that. So whoever completely agrees with me. Nailed it, yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that is the element of the character. Or, or the main element of the character, I should say. Mm-hmm. It, it really it works. Um, like the the slight dip in voice that they did in the animated series when he would be uh, be Batman versus Bruce Wayne, kind of yeah. got away from that toward the end. Well, Ke- Kevin is the best Batman, isn't he? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He has the hundred percent. He is Batman. Yeah. Uh, I've never really been satisfied with any of the actors. I don't. Know. I mean, you mentioned the Dark Knight. Um, I'm slightly ambivalent about the Dark Knight, to be honest with you, because I don't know why. Actually, I don't know why it doesn't work for me. The first one mostly does. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What? So, what? Uh, the Dark Knight to me is the quintessential Batman movie. It what? was exactly what I wanted it to be. I would say it's the best comic book movie ever. But that's the first Christopher Reeve Superman movie, and nothing will ever replace that. That that, yeah. that is an untouchable movie. But yeah. but a, a close second would be The Dark Knight for me. Right. Why? I mean, because I mean... <laughs> uh, truth be told, if I was to make the movie, that's how I saw the character. That is uh, the way. I wish there was a little more detective stuff in there. That that might be the slight flaw I could see in there. Yeah. But the fact that. It was clear that it was Batman pulling the strings throughout the whole thing. The scene where he has to stop uh, the, uh, <clears throat> the scene where he's trying to, to stop the car so he crashes the Lamborghini. That's a Batman move. He's being he's dressed as Bruce Wayne. That's a Batman move. Yeah. Batman yeah. is always pulling the strings there. Um, I like the fact that uh, he basically made a little spy op to get the guy out of Hong Kong. Uh, I, it was, it was sneaky. It's, it's, I like, the, okay, I will tell you exactly how I knew this movie was in. It was the first scene with the Joker, and I'm going in like, I don't know about Heath Ledger, I don't like the way the Joker looks, I don't think anybody could really approach Mark Hamill for me. Mm-hmm. I'm very, uh, about this whole thing and then got to it he killed a guy as a joke and it's like that's my joker yeah oh he, he nailed the, it right there yeah he was the joker and particularly because he was he was telling different versions of his origin because mm-hmm. for me the joker you don't know who he is you don't know yes where he came from he, he just is and that's something a lot of people didn't grab it's like well no he said he did that. like no every time we told a story it contradicted the last story he told. Yeah, yeah. He has no backstory. That's what makes him terrifying. That's yeah. what makes him the most terrifying Joker ever is he could be my neighbor. 
he could be my coworker. This guy has no identity other than he wants to kill you, and he will do it for a laugh. Yeah, and that's I the, terrifying. Yeah, I had the exact same conversation with my friends, my non-comic friends who went to see it with me, because they said exactly the same thing. And I said, no, you totally missed the point there. So, so there is stuff I like in them. Uh, I, I like the joke. I like most of the first one. I don't really like the third one. I think the problem that I had with the first one was the very ending uh, where he says to Liam Neeson, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm not going to save you. Well, then you just killed him, haven't you? Yeah, that that's was a little weird. That's not bad. But having said that, I mean that last line in the in the uh, in the first one where Gordon says, "I never thanked you," and he says, "You'll never need to." I was like, "Yes, that's Batman. That is Batman." So there was enough that I liked. Yeah, um, the the I don't have. I'm not going to save you line. I like that a little better than the way the 1989 movie ended, and that was something that had bothered me a lot too, because I talked to my non-comic book friends who are always comparing the first Christian Bale movie to the Michael Keaton movie. And they're like, well, I love that the Keaton movie because it kills the Joker. And I'm like, no, he didn't kill the Joker. The Joker died as a result of their fight. It's not quite the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and him saying that to Liam Neeson meant, okay, he's made a little bit of a distinction there. It wasn't the, the audience didn't get completely the wrong idea, which they did in the previous movie. Right. So for me, I kind of took that as, okay, it's a better way of it than he killed him, right? No, no, he didn't do that. <laughs> okay, you know, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, as I say, they're not they're not my favourite ones. I think if pushed, I would say probably the first Cat movie is probably one, is probably up there. The first Guardians movie um, and the Avengers movie. They're probably the best for me. Uh, it's interesting how, and I don't know if you've noticed it, but the second ones all seem to be a bit flabby and a bit, they're, they're almost like um, the difference between a cheesecake and a huge great trifle. It's like, especially the second Guardians, it's just too much. It's too much. It doesn't need to be two plus hours and, you know, it just because the first Guardians was a heist movie, as we know, and that was it. And it simple um and it works and the first cat movie was fairly simple as well when that when they when they feel like they've got to give me more i don't necessarily want more i i see what you're saying but i actually like the second cat movie better than the first and i like the first a lot oh oh, yeah no sorry yeah the second cat movie is up there as well it's fantastic um and i would say i like the first cat movie specifically because it was a period piece yeah. And I have a strong interest in history, so that was that was different and cool for me. Yeah. Um, but the second Cat movie just has a better story, period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you take the, the the period out of it, it's just a better story. Yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah, actually, you're right. We're, yeah, Winter Soldier is the best one. You're right. Uh, that's not flabby because no. it's all about Cap and Bucky, and it works brilliantly. Um, and I think I, I think most of my non-comic friends would say that's the one they like the best as well. Yeah, um, I, I like Dark Knight, and I, again, I like Batman Begins a lot. But Dark Knight just seems to take everything right and focus it just a hair more for yeah. me. I, I know you're not a fan, and that's okay. Um, I really think that the third movie, it, the third movie, did a good job at wrapping up a story that wasn't designed to be wrapped up. <laughs> yeah. When, when you commit that this ha- there has to be an end to the story, that's probably the best way they could have done it. Yeah. So I'll give it that. I thought that I thought it was flabby as well. I mean, genuinely, what happened with me is I watched it at home, um, and halfway through the movie, I paused it and went to the toilet, and then on the way back, I started doing the washing up, and I didn't go back to the movie, a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Because I was just like, I'm just not into this. Fair enough. Um, but I get that people are, you know, people, lots of people say, you know, that that trilogy is the greatest um, comic trilogy ever. And I get if people feel that. I do. Uh-huh. But I don't. But then people love the, the Black Panther movie, and I don't really like that much either. I, I, 
I like that one a lot. Um, I have a, I will often get a little flack for saying that while I like the Captain America movies and the uh, Iron Man movies, I don't really dig the Avengers movies per se. Okay. I, I watch them because I want to keep up with the story and they're, they're all right for what they are. But like you said a couple minutes ago, it's too much. There's so much going on. The yeah. story's kind of paint by number, to be very honest with you. They get um, yeah, they are. Yeah. I, I find the deep dives into the characters and all the cameos in, in the individual movies much more rewarding. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. I can see that. Um, but again, I'm still kind of like a five-year-old kid going, there's an Avengers movie, and it's really good. Yeah, no, I, I get you. We could I, dream. Yeah, I, there's... There's part of me that still wants to take all of the other characters I haven't seen yet and put them on screen, and I wouldn't care how bad the movie was. It could be horrible. Yeah. It's like, okay, still cool. Like, I, I was not a fan of Batman versus Superman. Yeah. I did like just seeing them all on screen. I, I It yeah. just, it was fun. Um, wish you would be better. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a movie reviewer here, over here called Mark Commode, who's always on the BBC. Uh, the other night he was doing a thing about the superhero movies and he said quite rightly the thing about Batman versus Superman is the only bit everybody loves is the bit where Wonder Woman shows up yeah that's it that bit I was cheering the rest of it again it was a chore to get through and superhero movies shouldn't be a chore now and I, I think that the quantity of them now is making it to the point where you it's hard to watch each one to be caught up with the others. And if you're not really into one, you're like, yeah, but I kind of have to soak it up so I can know what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll always give them a chance, even if it's a character I don't particularly like. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's something good in all of them. Um, I don't know. I think maybe they need to take a pause. They need to take a break. I mean, I, you know, even the TV shows, I watched the Luke Cage TV show and I enjoyed it. I wanted it set in the 70s with black exploitation music. Um, yeah. So they don't always give me what I want, but they give me enough. And, and again, they exist. It's For me, it's kind of enough that they exist. Like, yeah. I would, I, I was a fan of even the uh, David Hasselhoff version of Dick Fury. I mean, I, I oh, could get... Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> it was fun for an hour and a half. That's all you can say. Why yeah. not? It was fun. Yeah, he was he he gave it a good shot. Although I don't, maybe you can figure it out. I don't understand the beginning where he's hacking away in this cave. Do you remember? Oh, they it's been a while. They turn up and find the Contessa, or they don't call her the. Do they call her the Contessa? I can't remember. She turns up and he's he's like quit, and she's got to bring him back to Shield. And he's in this cave, like he's prospecting. And I thought, what the hell is this all about? So there were very, there were various scenes where you're like, what the hell is going on in this thing? But it was fun. The girl who played Viper was very good. I thought Hasselhoff gave it a good shot. Yeah. Worst guys you could have picked. I mean, if you look back at the original iteration of, of uh, Nick in the, the comics, he does bear a pretty good resemblance to David Hasselhoff. And David Hasselhoff yeah. is a fun actor. Yeah, he got the growl right. You know, there's a couple, there was a couple of funny lines. I think she says something like, see you in hell. And he's like, I'll get there first. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, again, I'm just happy this stuff exists, and I'm and I'm really happy I don't have to explain to people who these characters are or why I like comics. Yeah, you know, I mean, even even at work, um, obviously, taking the comic in and a few people have been interested, um, and you get that thing where people go, "Well, which bit did you do?" And I, well, I did all of it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, how can you? How did you do that? Well, I just did. But you know, if you if you don't read comics, that that is a valid question. You know, who don't? I mean, what is a letter? What is an inca? What is a pencil? People are going to know that. Um, but at least I don't have to explain this stuff anymore, and I don't have to justify it. Indeed, and that's probably the best place we could possibly leave this. Um, so, Pete, I'd like to wrap this up here while we're still ahead. Um, Definitely want to talk to you when I get a hold of the other two comics or maybe in between and get a couple minutes. Any time you like, yeah. So where can people find these awesome comics and where can they follow your adventures? Cool. So I'm on Twitter all the time, obviously. 
you can buy the comic, Stan and Jack. It's at petedory.bigcartel.com. And as I say, Dory is not spelt like the cartoon fish. It's D-O-R-E-E. Um, I do have a couple of copies in in uh, Gosh Comics in Soho in London. Unfortunately, because of the current situation, I think they're about to close for the foreseeable future. Um, there's also a comic here called Comic, a magazine called Comic Scene, uh, and they've got a website, and I'm selling it on there as well. So, but if you can't find me, find me on Twitter, and I'll tell you where to get a comic. And I will say for anybody in the states here. Uh, because I've done a lot of international mailing. I was extremely impressed with the speed of your delivery as well oh, as cool. the shipping rates. Cool. So, yeah. I mean, you will not feel like you're getting ripped off just because you're buying from another country. Trust me, it's worth the pittance you're charging in postage. Oh, completely, because I'm not making any money on postage at all. Yeah, I'm I will post- vouch for you on that. Yeah, yeah. And, and as you say, I'm really glad it got to you really quickly. I don't know what the post is like at the minute, obviously, but I sent to somebody in Canada on Thursday uh, and I did say to him, please tell me when you get it, because at least I'll get an idea. Because I don't want people to to feel that they're waiting for weeks and I'm letting them down. You know, if you buy it, I will get it to you the next day or at least I'll go to the post office the next day. Sir. Yeah. So I just want to vouch for you on that. OK, Pete, I will talk to you really soon. And thanks so much for being You're here. Back. Glad to have you back. Yeah. Anytime you like, Aaron, honestly. Thank you. I would like to thank Pete for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. For the community building part of the show today, I just want to list the different ways you can get Hungry Trilobite. We have our website, www.aaronbossig.com, that has blog posts featuring every article. And that links to the YouTube version of the show. And we also have the show on iTunes and Stitcher, Podbean, and any other podcast form you can think of. We also actually list each episode six months out on archive.org. And the show is circulated on Realm of the Mist. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my email address is bossigpodcast at yahoo.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.